This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a programme about globalisation and the effects it has had on Ireland and other countries around the world over the last 50 years or so. In each programme we interview a person from another country or with strong connections to another country or countries to get their unique perspective on globalisation as it has affected them, their life, their work and their business. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience both from me and from my interviewees from around the world. Today we will be talking to the Chief Operating Officer of an Irish-owned company that develops, sources and distributes homeware products in the Irish market. The company is B&G Homeware and its COO is Adrian Carolyn. Adrian has been with B&G since 1994. He travels uh, extensively around the world dealing with suppliers and setting up the international supply chains that are an integral part of B&G's business today. Adrian studied engineering at college and later went on to complete an MBA, enabling him to blend technical competence with business now in his role as Chief Operating Officer. I'm delighted to have Adrian join me in the studio today to talk about his experiences and reflections on doing business internationally from Ireland and to get his perspective on the future for his business and for Ireland in this global world. Welcome Adrian and thank you very much for being here with us today. Thanks Patrick, thanks for inviting me in. You're very welcome. So just maybe to, to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about your career start and progression to date? I guess it's kind of what, 30 years or so, give or take, we've just been talking, yeah? Yeah, I was just remembering and trying to recap, I, uh, I qualified in engineering in 1985 yeah. and as probably you remember Patrick, that was a uh, uh, in probably in the midst of one of the deepest, deepest recessions, deep recessions yeah. we had, um, we came we came out of college with a, an unemployment rate of uh, almost eighteen percent at that stage. So, at that time, I don't think engineering was not maybe not so much a career, but uh, more of a means to trying to find employment in some somewhere or other. So, uh, I spent six first six months looking for for work. And with the view that I'd, I'd, I'd stick around until Christmas, and uh, uh, hopefully, if I found something uh, great, if not, I was I was actually planning to uh, to emigrate, mm-hmm. like most of my peers at that time. Yeah, most of us did. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Two weeks before Christmas, I got myself a a job uh, in Dundalk in a small electronics company. It introduced me. It was more just to introduce mm-hmm. me to the workforce. And where was it you were going to go? I was heading. For, I was heading for Austria. Okay. I'd, I'd worked there. It's interesting. Uh, like, you know, most people say, "Oh, I was going to Australia. I was going to Canada. I was going to America." But Austria is a strange choice. Yeah, I'd, wor- I'd worked there. In, in uh, I'd taken summer work there when I was in college, and uh, I had some opportunities to go out there. And uh, but I wanted to give Ireland a try um, and uh, see how uh, see, see how I could make things go. And um, just just about made it. So I got myself uh, into into the workforce, and. Um, it basically it it got me got me um, er, earning mm-hmm. and uh, it's it started my career off. Um, I stayed there for for two years. I learned a few things there, but um, the big opportunity came. To, uh, but two years later, um, I the procurement role came up with the James Crean Group, a uh, company that I don't think is exists now. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were real high flyers at that time. What were, business were they in? Oh, now, they, the Crean Group was your traditional industrial holding company. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. They did basically anything from uh, frozen foods to aircraft leasing and lots in between. And um, my role initially was a procurement role in the electrical. It was electrical component side of the business. 
but as the uh, as the business they were they their, their their strategy was basically to keep buying up and hoovering up lots of small companies uh, to be very very heavily di- diversified and to use man- management expertise to try and grow and develop these businesses mm-hmm. and uh, for quite a period of time they were quite successful in that and from my perspective it exposed me to so many different uh, product areas so mm-hmm. I started out in electrical uh, by the time I finished with them five six years later um, I had been buying uh, sports goods musical instruments housewares confectionery um, all sorts of different uh, and, products. And was that internationally as well as nationally? It was. It was. It was all been uh, imported um, from, pro- probably not as widespread as 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 um, uh, happened uh, over over the years. It, mm. You know, a lot of it was coming from the UK and mainland Europe, a little mm. bit from the US. But what it did expose me to the whole sort of commercial side of of, of, of procurement and mm. uh, it gave me a bit of international exposure. Mm. Um, and at that time, there would have been customs and all of that, even from Europe and the UK, wasn't there? Yes, yeah. those it years. was. It was a it was a paperwork uh, yeah. nightmare, and you know, people a lot of people made a lot of money out of the paperwork that was necessary. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not heading that direction <laughs> again from, from from next year. Yeah. Um, what, one of the things I was recalling about uh, about creams and maybe it uh, the the whole diversification of what the, the they were really really widely diversified in with the products that they were in, and it probably ended up being their downfall because. It took one. I think it was the aircraft leasing part of the business that um, uh, ran it's into quite a little specialized. Bit of, that really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it ran into a little bit of trouble and had impacts right throughout the business. So, mm. uh, I was the company I was with was called James Crean Distribution, and they um, they actually uh, ended up selling that off to uh, the business off to uh, Allegro and, and another oh, yeah. high flying company mm. were sort of about mm. to float. And Allegro, I believe, now are part of the DCC group. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And again, like like a lot of businesses in that time, they rose to great heights, and you know, things didn't work out so so well. Mm. I stayed with Allegro for about a year. Uh, wasn't really for me. Uh, then a great opportunity came came along uh, with with B and G. So we're talking now. We're in kind of early nineties, mid nineties. Yeah, we're, we're going into nineteen nineteen ninety four. Yeah. So um, it, uh, it 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 the I, I met with B and G at that stage was almost twenty years old, and had been a traditional wholesale and distribution business into the. Um, into the hardware and building trade, mm. uh, building and that, and that brought you to Dublin. Had you lived in Dublin before? I that? had, yeah. yeah. No, when I was with with Creens, I I had moved to Dublin um, in in sort of the late eighties, uh, and um, so I I settled down okay. uh, and at, at that stage. But um, with one of the things that attracted uh, me to B and G was okay. They had been through sort of twenty years. Uh, of the business doing reasonably well, but still not not making the progress that it might have done. And um, the the shareholders uh, had quite a vision for for the business. They wanted to change the business. They wanted to introduce um, a lot of a lot more marketing into the business. That that and traditionally they were coming from a wholesale, quite a uh, conservative type of business. Uh, but they wanted to introduce much more marketing concepts, and uh, they had quite ambitious growth plans for for a small business and uh, they they intended to build a a small team 
uh, to drive that business on on for them. And I took up a, a, the procurement role uh, with them. Actually, it was a full operations of logistics, mm. transport. In, in 94, what, what was the economy like here? I, I was away that whole period. That was kind of before the Celtic Tiger, wasn't it? Or, what, or could it, you feel it even then? It, it, it was... It was just about. We're just about to st- to see shoots that things were were, were turning around. Yeah. You have to, to to imagine we'd been through. Uh, basically, the country was bankrupt in the in the late eighties. Yeah, it had no infrastructure. <laughs> no, no, not none whatsoever. And we were just coming coming out of that. And you know, a, a lot of people may have been bruised and by by what had happened before. But what I saw in BNG was was ambition. Uh, I saw a plan. I saw a strategy. I was still a young young man at this at that stage, but I saw an ambition and a vision for what, what, what the guys wanted to do with the business. And uh, I very much wanted to be a part of that. So um, certainly the first, uh, uh, from 94 to, to 2000, was, was quite an exciting time mm. uh, in BNG. Mm. So how, how has the business changed since the 90s, then into the 2000s? So we had the Celtic Tiger, then we had that massive crash, and then this last, say, 10 years since the, the last recession. How, mm. how would you typify what's happened to the business it's, over those it's, three It's, in, it's interesting. I, 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 was, uh, I tried to sort of um, uh, put uh, a different label on each of the different times. Certainly the, 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 first, the first between 94 and, and early 2000, it was a very uh, ambitious focus on driving growth. So um, we, we engaged in a lot of um, new product activity. Uh, we had, at the, t- at the time, we set ourselves a target of, um, that in each year, we would try and generate at least 10% of our turnover from new products that would have been identified the previous year. And from a procurement side of things, that was it was challenging, it, it, it really pushed you on and made, it made you focus that you, you had to look at a lot of things. You had to start to look beyond, beyond uh, what you might normally have done. So that the, the first phase was very much pushing on driving growth. Um, we go into the, into the thousands, into the noughties, and particularly after maybe 2002, 2003, where the Celtic Tiger completely took off. And I, I, I would, I would uh, label that phase as learning and trying to cope okay uh, you didn't have to work too hard to to achieve turnover but you had to work uh, very hard to uh, put in resources stay to, on top of things yeah, yeah. yeah and to be able to fuel what was a very very uh, hungry animal the, 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 the Celtic tiger and it was uh, it was as much to do with sort of putting in supply chain um, uh, structures mm. to make sure that you could cope with what, what the, the, the market was looking for. I remember uh, early 2000s, we um, we had a warehouse that was um, bursting to capacity. and uh, You lifted a roof off that warehouse. That's right. We actually, we built uh, a new warehouse over, we doubled the height of the exit, the warehouse that we had and took the old roof away when it was all completed. And uh, it was all done whilst we continued to operate underneath. <laughs> um, so, it, and it, it more or less doubled our capacity overnight. We had looked at alternative uh, properties, but at that time, the property boom was kicking in. Yeah. Uh, so we decided, okay, that has to be an engineering solution. And maybe that goes back to my engineering days. <laughs> I did get some benefit out of it. So that, that, that phase was, was very much, um, how, do we, how do we cope with the demand that's there? How do we keep uh, things running that we can fuel this? Then we hit the, uh, the, the downturn and what was the most, it was, it was tough times, the, the, the crash. Uh, mm. in, for us, it happened probably 
it's we were starting to see signs of it in 2007 and uh, which is probably lucky for us in that we I, I feel that we were reasonably well prepared when it did actually really go uh, drop like mm. our, our, in 2008 our turnover uh, declined by 50% oh. in mm. 2009 it declined by another 50% so you, you're talking resources everything had to be um, trimmed, trimmed. Mm. and then that that was actually that that, that was a learning experience for for all of us okay what do, what do you do in in situations like that so i would regard that as survival mode and you you learn a lot about yourself when you're in survival mode and uh, it can be somewhat invigorating as well i i have to say um unfortunately we sort of had to change our management structure and a lot of a lot of the the, the senior management had to revert back to hands-on uh, and it, that, that can be quite invigorating and, mm. I, and I think m- myself and the team a lot of us found it that, that because we were we were very much in survival mode so that's how I describe sort of between um, uh, t- let's say 2008 and 2011 it was very much mm. keep this thing going and we managed to do that the period that followed after that was I suppose it was um, a, a, it was very flat and it was actually quite frustrating and we were just basically waiting for growth to happen and eventually it did happen and and we've 2014 had, yeah, yeah yeah and uh, at, actually at that stage I I suppose the the I, I decided to take a uh, make a ch- structural change in 2014 okay having sort of been sure that the business would survive I actually decided okay all right I would we needed some new blood and um, I stepped aside and uh, I, uh, w- one of uh, my colleagues, uh, Tom Cleary, took over as CEO. Uh, and it was really just to get new blood and new ideas into the business, which I think is something that's, that's quite important for a lot of businesses. Is that I think that there is a tendency that people hang around doing the same job for a little bit too long. And, uh, you know, they end up in the same way of doing things. So a bit of change. And it's worked. Certainly the last five years have been, uh, have been really good for us. And the international aspect of your sourcing and, and supply chain with B&G, was that always there? Or did it come along at some point in, that, in those years that we've just mm-hmm. been through? There was, there was always, when I came into the business, there was always a an indirect connection okay so in other words yeah you were dealing with a little bit in the far east and 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 beyond but it was always through a a third party and it was one of the things that i particularly wanted i wanted to try and get as close as i could to source um first of all i i I knew that okay i I, i'd been charged with um bringing in products and finding suppliers to grow the business as quick as, as quick as we wanted and we always needed something new and um, I, I felt that okay, you got you got to get to source, and it's it's as as a distributor, um, you you're always looking for things that um, you're going to do for your customers that they might find it difficult to do for themselves. So you know, the, a lot of our customers would have been retailers and builders, merchants, and they can go to agents and they can go to third parties themselves. Okay, so what what are we going to do that's going to be different? So I always felt we had to get back to source. So I spent a lot of time then uh, out and about, uh, and, and basically we, I, I, tra- I would have travelled the world. I, I remember going to in, in the in the uh, mid nine mid. Uh, I think I was only a couple of years into my career, and I got sent off to Guatemala. 
Okay. All right. Now, why? Okay, we were, we were we were importing timber mouldings at that stage, and somebody had met somebody from Guatemala, so I was sent off there. Now, ultimately, it was an interesting trip, and not an awful lot came out of it. But you you do have to do that. You have mm. to sort of mm. uh, sp- sp- get boots on the ground in these places. Yeah, yeah. Press and more often, a lot of these trips, more often than not, things did. Uh, something came out of it and it might not have come out immediately mm. but it might have been two or three years later that you said mm. okay all right I know something this, this brings them to a little bit to what makes B&G different so what would you describe as the core expertise or competences of of B&G as it is today okay well one of the things that we've always had as our, our, our uh, key objective is to be close to our customers Okay, so uh, we 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 I, I said earlier we we set the objective of bringing something new, or uh, uh, new products. Ten uh, percent of our growth in the in the early days had to come from from new products, and one of the things about introducing new products is you need a lot of that needs to be done face to face to particularly if somebody's seeing something they mightn't have seen before. So all our people we would visit all of our customers at least once a month, some of them once or twice per month. And it gives you the opportunity, if you, you, what, what, what I would have charged myself with, give the guys something to talk to their customers every time, something new to talk to their customers. So that sort of starts a conversation where your customers then are starting to tell you what they need, what, 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 what is important for them. And I think that's, that conversation is very, very important for us to understand what's important to them. So that's been, that's been quite important for us. This, the second thing I would say is we've always come from the perspective of, okay, why do, they, why do, why do customers want to talk to you? And it, generally, it's, they've got problems they need solving. Okay, all right. So we, we set ourselves the target of offering them solutions to the problems that they have. And um, but you, you obviously need to uh, find out what they are first. But then every time you go in there is to actually have an idea of how we're going to a product that they may need or a service that they that they may need. And then the the final uh, thing about B and G is that is that we always want to be bringing something new. Okay, um, it is uh, it, they. Particularly, in our, our market is can be quite traditional. The, the hardware and building industry can be quite quite traditional, and you could end up having the same conversations all the time. So we we, we would always like to have given our sales team something new, a little edge versus our competitor that they've always got something something new. And, and then in, in addressing uh, customers' needs for new things or new products, do you look to find those things in the market, or do you? develop them and then have them made by somebody in the market in in general we do we do a little bit of both but uh, in general we we will try and um, get uh, manufacturers to make products to our specification okay okay all right uh, we, we're, we're quite um, strong on the in in the our big product areas is internal doors the Irish market has quite specific uh, sizes and standards so we would generally have to go to a door manufacturer and they would um, have to produce to 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 our specification but the interesting thing about going to manufacturers and going to suppliers is what when you're there 
you see all sorts of other things. Sure, yeah. Okay, which you don't see from behind your desk. You know? Which is the importance of getting out there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then working abroad, because I know you've travelled quite a bit um, personally, what, what, what kind of challenges do you encounter? I mean, you mentioned in, in Guatemala, which was probably, uh, 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 you know, another world at, at that time when you went there first. But, you know, cultural, language, technical differences. Uh, how do you deal with that and how have you dealt with it? Well, language is a, is, is, is a key thing, uh, but there is an international language. Um, you know, I've, I've sat across the, the table from uh, Chinese manufacturers from uh, f- uh, various different countries or whatever. Neither of us spoke the same language, but we can still communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think well, for, for a country like Ireland, uh, you, I think what's critical is relationships is is establishing strong relationships with your suppliers okay you we've got we've got five million people here it's not the huge biggest market uh, that these these manufacturers are going to be uh, dealing with so how do you reel them in you, you a lot of it is down through relationships so I I would personally try to visit suppliers quite regularly and there and are, these days where are we talking we're talking China we're, we're talking well Okay, so we would, I would, most countries in Southeast Asia, China is, is quite strong. We've got some people based on the ground there, but we would have have, have spread to further south into all of yeah. Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Vietnam, um, Malaysia, countries like that. Mm. Okay, um, South Africa is quite a has always been a traditionally strong area for us, and we 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 would we would have always had uh, an interest in in um, Eastern Europe and. Coming from the timber, uh, we import a lot of uh, timber products, so we would have done a lot in, se- in South Central and South America sure. as well. Yep. Okay, so language is one thing. One of the things that I've always tried is let's set up relationships uh, as uh, and work on those relationships, and it's a two-way thing. In in some countries where I I would have. Uh, we would have set up what we would call uh, representative offices there. So I would have people on the ground to deal directly with the the, um, the, the uh, manufacturers. However, that just to leave it at that, and I think a lot of companies just you know set it up and leave it at that. Um, but okay, first of all, you miss out by by doing that. But you also the people that you've got, the people that you hired, miss out by not having the connection. You want to connect them from mm-hmm. their source mm-hmm. back to Ireland. And, and and over the years, we would have brought our people from China and Southeast Asia. We would have brought them back here to Ireland, to brought them to expose them to the market here, so that they know the type of things that we're looking for. They know the type of services that we're looking for, and it also helps them to do, to grow as as as, as, as individuals mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and what proportion of your time do you think you you spend outside of Ireland then? I'm pr- at this uh, last couple of years, um, and in particular since I changed role, uh, I've I and, and my kids have grown up as well. Uh, mm. It's uh, I found it easier to sort of take a little bit of time out. So I, I'm probably about uh, I'm out of the country maybe three months uh, out of every twelve. Yeah. Okay. okay. Any any funny cultural anecdotes or stories, mishaps that happen in <laughs> these foreign places? Uh, there's there's there's, <laughs> there's there's lots uh, there, there's lots of uh, little little stories. I, I, I we, we spoke earlier. About language, and um, you could, uh, you know, things can, can often get lost in in translation. I, rem- I remember one at one stage, um, I was dealing with a, a, a supplier in in Vietnam, and I was trying to explain 
about Ireland. Now, what what a lot of people don't realise is that in a lot of the world, people have never heard of Ireland and they don't. And so I was trying to explain about Ireland. I said, OK, um, we've, we've marketed us about four and a half, the population about four and a half million. And oh, she said, you, Ireland's a very small country. And I said, yes, I said, but uh, never underestimate the Irish. And uh, she looked at me straight and I said, she obviously didn't get that. And I said, oh, what, what, what do you think I said? And she said, why do you say never undress to meet the Irish? <laughs> <laughs> never undress so quickly, to meet the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to explain that. So sometimes things get lost in translation. You know? what, what, what kind of advice would you give to Irish businesses and business people who maybe are a little bit nervous about going to countries that are termed kind of, you know, developing or underdeveloped, looking either for source of, of product or looking just to do business there? What, what would you say to them? Well, I'd say f- first thing is always look beyond the traditional sources, okay? Uh, because f- For no other reason than your competitors are probably doing that anyway, okay? You're not going to get in. So move beyond the, the traditional sources and, and, and look in the places that you think, okay, um, th- th- there might be something a little bit different. Um, I always say not to underestimate the benefit of establishing good long-term relationships. As a small country, as a small market, we, do, we, we may not have volumes to offer people. And people, uh, why do people do business? They do it for different reasons. It could be price, could be they need to have it, they need a product. But more often than not, they do business because they like to do business. And I think relationships are quite important. And in, just, just to finish off on that, I think it's always go into uh, a, tr- a trading relationship with a, with a supplier with a win-win attitude. It's got to be something in it for them as well as well as well as for you. And if you can find that, you will have the, the, the bones to a long-term relationship. How are you finding things now, maybe on a, on a more um, general macro level, in terms of economies growing again, tightening of the labour market? Is that, is that something, you know, skill shortage? Is that something that's coming through for you? Um, I, I, I have to say, I, I, I do hear a lot about it, and I hear we're, we're more or less at, at full, full employment. We've been quite lucky in BNG over the years in that uh, our staff retention has been, has been uh, quite high. And it's you know we we work on that uh, we we work on the basis that the, your your people are your core asset and we look after them well and we we try to create an environment where they want to stay. Uh, however, I, I do do note that um, the last uh, couple of recruitments that we've had, um, I, it was mostly uh, from, from uh, recruited from outside of Ireland. Um, there and I'm you start starting to see with with. Um, the way the, the the global market is, a lot of companies, uh, particularly in distribution, are starting to go down the uh, um, AI route um, yeah. and automation. Okay, and, and we're seeing a lot more, uh, particularly in warehouses, voice picking and uh, that, that, that sort more of more automation, more recruitment from overseas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so, for the future of your business, what do you, what's the strategy for the future? Where do you see it going over the next five years? Say. Okay. Um, we. We have a, a reasonably um, positive outlook on, on, on the market. Uh, one of the key areas for us is the construction market, which we is is still 
uh, an underdeveloped uh, area. Now, none of us want to get back to where we were in in, in 2006, building 100,000 houses that nobody wanted to, uh, nobody wanted to live in. They might have wanted to own them. Um, we we think that sort of uh, the the, the uh, you know the m- most analysts would say that we need to develop uh, we need to be building 25 to 30,000 houses a year. We're a long way away from that. So we, we you know you you can't ignore the potential of that for a, for a business like, like like ourselves. So it's trying to keep ahead of the trends, make sure that you've got a good uh, source of supply to make sure that you can f- uh, you can fuel that uh, dem- demand that's in there. Okay. And then now we're kind of coming to the end now. Time flies. We're always beaten by the clock in, yeah. on, on this program. But outside of the world of, of work and outside the world of travel for work, what, what kind of things do you like to do? Well, I, oh, for my sins, I, I, I'm a five-side a five football player. I play, oh, right. play a couple of times a week. Um, and it's something I when when the kids uh, were gr- growing up, I didn't have time for that. I used to play a lot when I was young, and then I stopped. I did nothing for ten or fifteen years, and then I started back into it slowly. And now I'm getting on in years. I'm it's like I'm cramming in. I, I can't get enough of it. So I, you know, sometimes play two or three times a, 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 week. a week, and it's you know, well, it's good that you're able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> for for how for how long I don't know. I don't know. Um, that's that's one thing. Is what I I also uh, I live in Dunboyne, and I'm heavily involved. I coach. Uh, I've coached a couple of uh, the, the local GAA teams mm-hmm. there, um, mostly with, with my the, the first couple of teams. I, I had my own sons involved, so that was obviously a motivation. But uh, in the la- last year, I went back and I, I decided to take on the the current under fourteen team. And um, I tell you, fourteen year olds today are very very different from fourteen year olds <laughs> when I had them. But uh, it's a cha- it's it's a real challenge. Yeah. But it's it's one I'm really enjoying. That's brilliant. So where can people find out more about about BNG about its products, services, and so on, and plans for the future? You know, website, blog, so on. Yeah. Okay. We um, BNG we operate on on all the main um, f- social media Facebook Twitter okay and um, but it, 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 we have we just developed uh, a new website or we've upgraded our, our website and it's. Uh, uh, www.bghome.ie. Uh, we have a couple of different. We have a couple of specific websites for our uh, our, our doors brand. Uh, for example, is indoors. That's uh, www.indoors.ie, and um, we also have a, a, a bathroom brand, Tima, which is Tima.ie. Okay, it's T E M A, is it? T E M A. T E M A. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. Tima.ie. Well, thank you so much, Adrian. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. And thanks also to our listeners. And remember that if you would like to find out more about globalization, international business, and how we can help you to formulate and implement your strategies, please check out my blog and website on albalogistics.com and my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, which can be purchased on Amazon and Google Books. This is Patrick Daly of Alba Consulting. Goodbye and keep well until the next time.